Welcome to another episode of Courtside with Nielsen Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We have got a ton to cover, so let's get right to it. It's week one recap time. Happy to have my co-host and Hall of Famer on with me tonight, Steve Flink. Steve, I mean, I don't even know. Are, are you ready to rock and roll? This was just insanity. Well, all I can say is I've been making my living as a tennis writer since 1974. I just don't really have the words to describe what's happened across these last seven days. It's just spectacular. And you probably have heard, David, the likes of Brad Gilbert and Lindsay Davenport, also on the Tennis Channel, saying they've never seen a first week like it at a major. And I totally concur. And I've been going, I've been attending these majors since 1965. I didn't become a full-time reporter until 74. So it's a long span for me, but I can't. And the other thing that's remarkable quickly about it, David, before you get to your questions, 32 seeds. Since we went to 32 seeds, it's tended to make the first weeks less enticing because you don't get those unexpected matchups early, but it hasn't mattered one bit this time around. Absolutely. You know, I, you kind of answered it, but I'm going to ask you it anyway, because I want to be specific about it. I, I was going to say, have you ever seen a better day on one single court covering tennis in all of your years covering the U.S. Open in the first week? I'm not going to say, you know, there's plenty of Super Saturdays. Everyone still talks about 1984 Super Saturday with Cash and Lendl going the distance, uh, Martina yeah. and Chrissy going the distance, and then Connors and McEnroe going the distance. I'm talking first week only. That Friday, and we'll walk it through, but that Friday, have you ever seen a single day in week one in, in your history of covering tennis as good as that? I, I, I don't think so. But on the other hand, Friday has some competitors with <laughs> Thursday and Saturday. And so, I mean, every single day, there's been some days quite close to it, but that one was, that one was astonishing. Yeah, let's let's start with Friday. And and the first match today was um, Garbine Muguruza defeating uh, Victoria Azarenka. That went the distance in three sets. Thought it was a good match. The next match absolutely set the tournament on fire with Carlos uh, Carlo Alcaraz um, winning 7-6 in the fifth versus Stefano Tsitsipas. You think that wasn't enough. You get the first night match with Lila Fernandez beating Naomi Osaka in three sets. We're going to get into that as well. It was sad seeing uh, Naomi suffer really looked like she was suffering on the court there um and then the nightcapper for those that were able to stay up francis tifo beats andre rublev in five sets i mean it was an incredible day of tennis i want to start with you the match that that really to me and there were plenty of matches before but this was the match that really set the tournament on fire and that's um young alcaraz winning that match um to to set it up a little bit he comes out firing right six three three oh Comes back down to earth. Steph wins that second set, 6-4. And then Steph is up two breaks in the third. This is where it really got interesting. Steph's up yeah, two no. breaks in the third, and the kid comes back and wins a tiebreaker, 7-6. Yeah, there were three set points and mixed in there, too. Two chances to serve it out. No, it was a, there was a stage there. He had a point for 4-1, Alcaraz did in the second set that might have made a big difference to help him get a two-set lead. But for the way he was able, because... Essentially, what happened is Sitsipas found his range, started, he began to serve much better. It, it deserted him for a while late in the third when he should have closed it out. But overall, he was serving much better and he was more comfortable from the baseline. And I just couldn't, I could, I, I just was amazed what happened in the fourth and fifth sets because obviously the kid was was spent in the fourth and Sitsipas blitzed him six love and it was. The trainer had come out and stretching out his legs. And I don't think it was gamesmanship on Alcaraz's part. I think he's a young kid trying to 
to uh, find his place in the game and strengthen his body. Uh, but you would have thought, I, I wasn't surprised he had a resurgence in the fifth, but I was very surprised that he could stay with him, keep serving from behind all the way through the fifth, <laughs> never feel the pressure at three, four, four, five, five, six. You're waiting for him to maybe crack a little, nothing doing. And then once more again, he wins a second tie break from Stefanos, uh, just as he's done in the third set. And, and that, that again is, was, was remarkable for the free, uh, the freedom of his hitting, yeah. the way he just hit out throughout the tie break and didn't back up. And here's Sitsipas, David serving three aces in that tie break. He actually didn't play a bad tie break. He still was serving brilliantly at times, but it was not enough. And, and again, the final icing on the cake was two match points getting away on Alcaraz's serve from 6-3. And then he finds a way to win the last point on Sitsipas's serve fittingly with a forehand winner off a sort of a floating slice backhand from Sitsipas. And for the listeners that remember the, the, ma- the match point he had right before the one he won, he missed the topspin lob by yeah. a millimeter. By oh, a that millimeter. Was, that was a heartbreaker, David. He drew, drop shotted to draw him in, which he'd been doing so skillfully throughout the match at all the right times. And he hit the topspin lob nicely. And uh, it, it was just incredibly unlucky. The crowd was ready to, to shower him with the applause. And they thought it for, for an instant it was over. And so did he. And then the umpire quickly confirmed that the ball was out. No, it was, it was, that was the moment of the tournament so far. There's no doubt in my mind about that. You mentioned all these other great matches, but nothing so far has topped that because it, it just had all the elements. And then you also had the Sitsipas playing the role of the villain somewhat because of the controversy over the bathroom breaks, but still con- conducting himself honorably against this kid. And also, by the way, another nice moment for Sitsipas. He was really nice to the, he was terrific at the net in the embrace and the shake of the hands. There was nothing curt about that at the net. And I think that showed a lot of class and grace on Stefanos's part, who sometimes is maybe criticized a bit more deeply than he should be. Yes, he has flaws. He's a human being, but he has many remarkable traits. I want to emphasize the drop shots that you referred to earlier. By my count, and, and it's going to be an approximate number, he must have done roughly around 20 drop shots. I don't yeah. remember him missing one. Now I'm not saying he won every one of those points. I'm just saying, I don't remember him missing a drop shot, whether it's into the net or not. I mean, he, to me, it was almost, he was perfect. Every time he did a drop shot, I don't remember missing one. No, I don't think so either. It just shows you too, how he picked the right times and he has great feel. That's such a great uh, backup to his, who is to his phenomenal power. And that's what really was, he was showcasing more than anything else. And that's what Tsitsipas said afterwards. He never felt he'd faced anybody that hit the ball that hard. And you saw right. it a couple of times when Stefanos was positioned well at the net and could still not handle the volley. And it wasn't even like he was stretched out to try to deal with that passing shot. He was right there to execute a foreign volley and just couldn't deal with the speed. So for this kid to complement his, his pace and awesome power with with that wonderful touch on the drop shots. And you're right. I don't recall him missing one either. There were a few times I thought he should have been better prepared for the response and he didn't win the point because he wasn't sure what he wanted to do with his next shot, but that improved over the course of the match too. So Remarkable. just a stunning performance. And, you know, people are going to obviously, cause he's where he's from comparing to Rob and we're not going to do that. I actually, someone, I saw something on social media. It was interesting. You know, his coach Juan Carlos Ferrero. French Open champ made the finals, U.S. Open uh, in 2003, losing to Andy Roddick. 
someone said he plays somewhat similar to his coach. And I think that's a better comparison than to the, to the people who, who are dying to say that, Hey, he, he plays like Rafa. Cause he doesn't play like Rafa. No, 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 he doesn't. It's, you know, and obviously you don't have all that whirlwind topspin that, that's the feature of Rafa's game with the similarity I think is in the temperament and the, the mindset of a champion. You see that. And I, and Ferrero never, so Ferrero was a terrific player at, Great ground strokes, terrific two-hander, uh, but he didn't. He did not blast you off the court the way this kid can either. So, in, in a sense, he's just his own. He's his own person. I wouldn't compare him to anybody right now. All I know is I expect within by this time next year we're going to be looking at a kid who's in the top twenty in the world, and he might end next year in the top ten. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. And of course, he did follow up. Well, yeah. We can talk. That, but he did follow up, which is also a good sign not to have huge. A total, yeah. That's always hard to back it up after the first major big win of your career, um, you know, at a grand slam. So he did back it up. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, so the day session ends. <laughs> they let the night session people come in. And the very next match is uh, Layla Fernandez and Naomi Osaka. And to me, um, a great win by Layla. It really was. To me, Naomi chucking her racket twice, um, cracking the ball in the stands. You, you never see that from Naomi. You know she's dealing with a lot of stuff right now. But you have never, in the history of us watching Naomi Osaka play matches, never seen that. And, and it was tough. I was, I was watching it with, with some friends, and it was tough to watch because she wanted you, you kind of felt like she wanted to be anywhere else but on that tennis court. Yeah, you're right, but only after a certain point. In other words, I thought it was just a, a really well-played match. She was so p- well-positioned to win that match 7-5, 7-5. She breaks right. at the end of the first set, same same scenario in the second set, serving for the match. And that was the, that was what was so astounding was you expected her to serve it out. She hadn't, been, hadn't faced any break points. She was holding easily. Her serve had been first rate all through the contest. And then she tightened up a little. She started spraying a few forehands in that game and suddenly was broken. And that's what led to the racket tossing that you described a couple of incidents with that, which we do not, we never see because the forehand continued to betray her in the tie break. And that's what got her upset and and throwing the racket, not viciously breaking it or anything, but it it was sad to see her kind of unraveling. And then of course, to see the, uh, well, two things, first of all, Fernandez, the way that she was able to finish it off in the thirds is one thing to steal the second set and to compete so beautifully under pressure. But then to get the early break, while, while again, uncharacteristic of Naomi, she appeared to be half tanking early in the third set. Yes. You talk about not rushing, watching. rushing, really rushing. rushing. She just, that, that's what I mean by half tanking, though. She just didn't, she didn't want to compete anymore at that stage. However, she, that didn't last long. And she got right back to holding and she was trying hard by, that was only lasted about a game or two. And then she kept holding her serve all the way through and made this girl serve it out at the end. And I, I, I was glad that's what happened rather than Naomi just completely capitulating and losing a six, one third set. So, but the poise from Fernandez to, to, to complete this win, which of course she showed in a similar way, very similar perspicacity, you might say against Kerber. That's absurd. Uh, from, down a set again, going into a second set tiebreak again. Same deal. In this case, she was down 4-2 in the second set to Angie, and she finds a way to win that one. So I think we really are witnessing the arrival of a great, great player in Fernandez, and she has she has that 
sparkle with the crowd. She connects with them, but also she has the goods to break it up. That forehand is devastating. Uh, and, 18 and year olds. I mean, Alcaraz and Fernandez, I mean, like you said, back it up. They yeah. have huge wins and then they back it up. I mean, Angelique Kerber, yeah. that was a sensational match. I mean, it's, it's, it's just great. And then again, the, this, the nightcapper for those who stayed up and, and you and I have talked about TFO before and how we want him to be a little bit more consistent, even when he's not in the spotlight, cause he seems to really like the show courts and the spotlight. It may get a little tougher for him when he's more on those um, side, he's not playing really on a lot of side courts anymore, but maybe not Arthur Ashe, for example. Um, he beat Rublev. I thought he played a great match against Felix last night. I thought that was high level. Felix served incredibly well. Um, I think this is the level that we're all hoping to see from Francis consistently. And I think the results will deliver if he plays like he did. I thought he had a really good U.S. Open. Oh, he did. It was excellent. And uh, he had a Good Wimbledon because of Wimbledon, he beat Tsitsipas, but I don't know whether he's going to be able to stay with the likes of uh, over the long term. I think Felix is going to really, I, I don't, not totally dominate that rivalry, but he's going to have the, the, I think he'll have a fairly decisive edge. And I think that's going to be true of a lot of players. This is, I think Francis has grown significantly as a competitor and as a professional. And but he comes into the tournament 50 in the world. He'll now come out of it probably in the high, in the thirties somewhere. You'd like to see him take his place somewhere in that top 25 and stay there. Uh, but you're right. He made serious strides. I, I thought sometimes the showboating was excessive in some of his matches. However, last night he did a lot of that early on. And then, then it, it kind of disappeared. He just played serious tennis yeah. and could, gave it all. And as Felix said, the third set was almost a coin toss because they both held serve. He had way. a set point. Yeah. Yeah. All set points at four five and five, six, you know, a couple at 1540 the first time and then another one the, the next time. So there were three of them and then they go to the tie break and, and uh, Francis has a, has a, Francis has a, has a set point. Five, six. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and Felix served his way out of it Had a nicely placed serve down the tee. Francis was way behind the baseline, couldn't handle it. And then Felix wins at eight points to six. So, that set was beautifully played set. And uh, understandably, Francis was a little let down to start the fourth, lost his serve early. But again, he, uh, like Naomi, he then di he didn't surrender. No. Uh, he, he, he buckled down and he held serve the rest of the way. And then uh, Felix was able to close him out. So it was, a, it, it was an honorable performance in defeat. And he definitely should be proud of what he did to, you know, to beat Rublev and reach the, the round of 16. So he's had big wins at the last two majors. Now the secret is what you were talking about. He has to learn, David, because he talked about it at Wimbledon, how he, he said right after the win over Sitsipas at Wimbledon, if that had not been on a show court, I don't, you know, he basically was acknowledging that if that match had been thrown on the court three, he's not sure he would have played that way. Now I want to, that's the next step I want to see from him. He's not always going to be on Arthur Ashe Stadium or right. Louis Armstrong. So when they don't, when they don't put him out there, can he find the inspiration from within and be the top of the line professional that he seems to be becoming. Cause that'll make a big difference in where he goes from here. Yeah. A hundred, hundred percent agreement with you. And I guess we'll go from one American to another uh, American Jensen Brooksby. Um, the second round, his match against Taylor Fritz, <laughs> those first three sets. I mean, Oh my God, that was such a, a fight uh, from both players and incredible. And in the fourth set, I mean, I think it's safe to say Jensen crushed, Taylor spirit. He really did. He won that four set six, two. Um, those first three sets were so tightly contested. 
I just think he took it. He took everything out of, out of Taylor Fritz near the end of that match. He did. He did. He just ran down every ball and, and, and Taylor was so patient whilst trying to stay aggressive. I really couldn't fault Taylor for the way he played David, but uh, you're right. He took, he kind of broke his will. He, he kind of wounded his psyche, but, but I think the key thing was the second set long tie break. Taylor had a, at least one set point there and he wasn't, if he could have gotten a Brooksby down two sets to love, I think that, that then I think that, that Taylor would have been able to close it out. It was crushing to lose the, the tie, but I, I don't think it was through much fault of his own. Uh, Brooksby is just a tricky player and yeah. we've seen, and then he follows it up and beats Karatsev, who's had a, a great year, was in the semis of the Australian against Novak and beat Novak in Serbia on clay, had great results until he started to trail off a bit uh, pre-French Open on, uh, French Open on. Uh, and he yet we thought he was sort of coming back to the top of his game. So that was a big win for Brooksby to, to beat him from two sets to one down. Yeah. Uh, so. I don't know, David. It's it, I, I don't know how he gets by with that serve. I mean, you tell me, because to me that I've heard the all of the commentators talk about it and they uh, and they would all love to make serious adjustments in that motion and the abbreviated motion that he doesn't get a lot of speed on. He gets pretty good direction, but somehow he's getting by despite what I think for in this league is not a top notch serve yet. I can't believe it can't be corrected, though. Right. I, I agree with you. And we'll see, you know, he plays Novak later today. So we'll see if Djokovic can take advantage of that. Um, well, that'll be talk oh, go ahead. just a quick comment on the fast comment on that. It'll be interesting because the crowd will be going, the, the, they will be so animated and so uh, almost frenzied at times. I suspect Brooksby has become quite a showman in his own right. And he knows how to raise his arms now and play to the crowd. And he's really enjoying the atmosphere as an American at the U S open. And, so Djokovic is going to have to be very disciplined. I mean, no doubt Novak should win, but he doesn't want to let that crowd get too much into this. He had a fairly neutral crowd against Nishikori, which helped. And he was able to put his hands to his ears and sort of get them to applaud him. He'll need to do a little of that tonight, but also be very calm because that crowd will otherwise come down on him because they're, they're watching. This is an American. So they care more about the American than Novak going for the Grand Slam. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for those that watch Jensen, I mean, you y'all remember Brad Gilbert. He used to drive more talented players nuts, right? And I, I'll ask you: Is does he play a little? Bit, I mean, he doesn't win with flashiness, right? He doesn't beat you with flashiness. He no, he almost no. makes your level go down a little bit to his. Now that sounds it doesn't always sound like a compliment when I say that, and I, and, and that's not what I intend. He's a very good player, but does he have a little Brad Gilbert in his own style of play? Yeah. Yeah, I think you could. I think you, you have a valid point. I, I, I think the similarity to me is I, I, I mean, as you know, Brad wrote that book called Winning Ugly. And that's he was trying to describe himself. And I think there was some being self-effacing, some modesty there, too, because there were a lot of things he did very, very well. He had a very he had a good first serve and a beautiful uh, backhand. And he didn't miss much. He was pretty sound. He made you beat him. And that's what's on with Brooksby, too. Not flashy, but he gets so many balls back and he will come up with unex a lot of unexpected shot selection. That's another thing Djokovic will have to be on his guard against. He will do things. He, he will not make the typical moves that go down the line when you're sure he's going cross court. He's very deceptive that way and kind of imaginative. And that that I think more so than Brad, who I think was just a really cunning strategist. This kid yeah. has re excellent instincts in terms of where to go with a shot at any given time. So. But I think the similarity 
the framework of the game is there and he's 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 very sound in my view uh, with his ground strokes there's not much to exploit the back end better than the forehand but boy can he stay in a rally yeah he can and he will definitely make you earn a victory over him because like you said he gets so many balls back two other americans i want to talk to it was saturday night um Shelby Rogers against Ash Barty. Um, Shelby's down two five in the third set. Double break. Uh, Ash wins that match ninety eight times out of a hundred. I also think Ash wins that match ninety nine times out of a hundred with no crowd. So if they played that last year, um, I think the crowd definitely helped Shelby. Um, Shelby, give credit to Shelby a ton for never giving up and fighting. Um, Ash, and I'm a huge fan of Ash Barty. I think she would even tell you she missed some shots uncharacteristically. I don't know if she got a little tight, but there were some rally balls that she missed late and big, big points. Um, huge, she huge win for Shelby, but that was, that was some comeback being down two five against the number one player in the world, two breaks. Yes. You described it well, Dave, because this was two pronged. It, it took a lot of courage and, and poise and determination for Rogers, who lost her five times recently, you know, all kinds of losses to her this year, some of them humiliating in her mind, even though she likes Ash personally, just that, you know, the way she got beaten to a pulp in some of those matches, some of them were close. But uh, here's what I think. 5-2 in the third, Ash serves for the match the first time, and she's up 15-love, and then she makes a couple unforced errors, double faults for 15-40. She really didn't make... Uh, Shelby earned that game and then the next game was hard fought and it was 30 all and Shelby served okay good hold from her I give her that I, I mean it was it was terrific hold because she's not going to make her try and serve it out again and then once more I didn't uh, Ash started missing a lot of forehands when she served for the match the second time and that continued the rest of the way and then once again you thought okay you've had two chances to serve it up when they get to five all in the tie break in the third set who would you go with and she loses the last two points. No, I think she let herself down and Rogers gave Ash a chance to beat herself because as Rogers said, I, I, I much prefer hitting winners. She said after the match, I love hitting winners, but she knew she had to give her the moon balls. She gave her a lot of, you know, a lot of heavy top semi moon balls, moon balls, breaking up the pet. I thought Ash was dealing with it. Okay. For a while. And then she started to get, maybe she got a little frustrated with that, but I don't think that's what happened in the crucial games at five, two and five, four, when Ash served for the match, that was more about Ash and Shelby not missing, but there were long stretches where the moon balls were definitely uh, beneficial to Rogers. And she plays Emma Raducanu today. Um, and that's when, I mean, the winner of that match is in the quarterfinals of the U S open. I mean, that, I mean, Emma's been playing really good. She almost blitzed Tormo six Oh six Oh. She won six Oh six one, but yeah. um, that's a match today. That that's, that's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I, the crowd again is going to be behind Shelby Rogers, but they've been cheering for Emma Ronacanu as well. I mean, she had the great run at Wimbledon. She had to qualify for New York to get in. So yeah. she's played what six matches, seven matches already. Just phenomenal. I would never have believed the scores. I, I, I thought the jury was still out after Wimbledon. I hadn't seen enough. Now I have. And now I'm much more convinced. I give her the slight edge over Shelby. I'm not selling, selling Cheryl, Shelby, short because she's a great competitor and a true professional. And I don't think she's going to have a terrible letdown and be a complacent just because she's come off a big win over Ash Barty. She wants to win this and get to the quarters. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how she can regroup 
And then as far as Emma, can she sustain this incredibly high standard that she set the whole tournament? So I don't know. I, I, the crowd could pull Rogers through once more, but I, uh, then there's also the potential that Emma wins the match three and four too. I don't know which way to lean. Got it. Um, uh, one other American I want to talk about, and it's been nice to see the resurgence from him. Um, was Jack Sock. He had a re- he had a nice win over Alexander Bublik, five sets, really nice win in the second round. He then followed the Rogers Barty match, coming out lights out, absolutely lights out. Wins the first set six two over Sasha Zverev. I think he must have hit thirty winners in that set, and I don't feel like he missed. Um, I-, I think everyone thought he would eventually come back down to earth a little bit. Zverev may have raised his game, but unfortunately, Jack hurt. That same injury where I, I saw him, I was in I was in Cincy in his first round qualifying match. I think he played Alexei, Alexei Popran, and he pulled something in his leg early on in that match and had to um, withdraw from qualies and Cincy. And it looks like to be the same injury again. Um, it's nice to see Jack playing well again, because boy, as he did, he drop. And I, and I think he's on the up and up now. No doubt about it. I mean, that was it. That was one of the more it was a devastatingly potent display he put on in that first setting. And you're saying the winners. And of course, those winners were all come almost entirely off his his forehand side, which is one of the more dynamic shots in tennis. And I and Sasha said afterwards he could have lost. You know, he, you know, he was very he was very uh, modest about it. We'll never know, but it always helps to win the first set against a top player in a major and put him in that bind and make him have to come back and win three of the last four. So it's a shame for uh, Jack that he wasn't physically able to stand. And it looked like he might have to retire a lot sooner than he did, which was right. early in, in the fourth. That was a shame, but uh, it was encouraging that, that if he's able to get physically healthy again, that we could see him back. Uh, where he used to be, you know, claiming a place in the top 10 in the world, or at least get somewhat close to that. It, right. it was, it was an exhilarating set and the crowd loved it. And Sasha was helpless. And it's very, <laughs> it, it's very hard to put Sasha in that position. He's a big hitter himself. He also defends well. He just had nothing to say in that conversation for a set. Yeah. Um, a couple other uh, things to note, uh, just cause I, I mean, again, we're not gonna be able to hit on ev- everything, but because, you know, you and I are talking about this. I wanted to get your take on uh, the first round match that when the draw came out, everyone was looking at, and that was Andy Murray versus Stefano Tsitsipas. Um, Tsitsipas won in five sets. Again, the bathroom, changing breaks, all that stuff. I, I There's always a question of Andy's health. How long can he play, right? Um, not so much in, in weeks, months, or years, but how, can, how long can he last in any one tennis match? I thought physically he held up unbelievably in that whole match he did he did i mean i think it, it's a, it's a pity for him that he didn't convert the two he had two set points for a two set to love lead and in the second set tie break and, and one of them he missed a very routine back his back end is so sound and he just hit cross court into the net he never does that yeah as a rally shot you might miss a passing shot that way but never during a rally unless he's under great pressure and he wasn't. So he could have gone up two sets to love, but I thought he did a terrific job to come back after the disappointment of the second, win the third and stay competitive in the fourth and fifth. But I do think, I don't know how you felt, David, some of the remarks that Andy made later were totally valid about Stefanos and he has a right to say he doesn't respect him. I thought he carried it a bit too far with tweeting the next morning because then it began to come off to me somewhat as sour grapes 
which initially I don't think it was. Initially, I think he was staying within the uh, reasonable lines in terms of, no, I'm making a point, a principal point here. And this guy's a great player, but I don't like what he's doing. Uh, I, I would, I wish Andy would have not personalized it quite as much and could have tried to make it more about, we need to change this rule mm-hmm. Too too many players are abusing this rule instead of singling out Stefanos, who is definitely not the only one. Brooksby has taken at least one, maybe two long ones himself, but nobody talks about that. It's, 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 it's available, David, to the players, the way it stands now, they need yeah. to get kind of a time limit at every tournament. So, but still, Get back to your original point. Very encouraging performance from Murray. We haven't seen him play that way in a long time. I want to see if over the course of the autumn, if he's able to put together some some excellent best of three set matches against some leading players and maybe bring himself back uh, closer to the top of the game. It was it was a, it was a uh, delight to watch him play that well. Yeah, it really was. You know, for you NFL fans, there's that NFL red zone network where they flip to each game when, you know, when any team gets into a red zone, they switch to that game. It was about to score. And I don't remember what day it is. The days are all running in together. Maybe it was Wednesday, but the two fifths uh, tie break matches back to back with Seppi over uh, Fuksovic, followed by Maxime Cressy over Carino Busta. I mean, that was 45 minutes of scintillating stuff back to back. I mean, that's what this, that's what this week one has been. It's been unbelievable. David, you know, you, I'm really glad you brought those up because they, they, think about that. that yes, it's somewhat, it, it is exciting that Cressy is an American and, and people, you know, are, they know Busta and Karina Busta now, and they saw what he did in the Olympics. And so it, that had some appeal for sure, but it's still not what you would call a marquee match matchup. And then, and then the other one with Fusevic and Seppi. And again, who would really believe that you could have the fans so in, so involved and so enthralled by a match between two foreign players in New York, none of who, neither, neither of which is a household name. Uh, you're right. Those were just, uh, I, I loved watching the ends of those matches. And I, I thought the recovery from Cressy against Karina Busta was, was astonishing. You know, he was down triple match point, then he saved a fourth match point. Who would believe that he could climb out of that dark predicament? But he did. But yeah, those two matches were a joy to watch. They're proof that sometimes we don't need the most sparkling stars in the tennis universe to be out there competing. There are so many great players from the top to the bottom of a draw at every Grand Slam event. And we saw it in two cases back to back. Steve, I want to hit on that point because I want to be careful how I say this because no one um, wants Roger and Rafa to no longer be involved in the sport. Obviously, we want them. They are two of the greatest of all time. Um, with But that said, and I want to emphasize this, and it happens in, a, in any sport, and I can give you examples. When Magic and Larry Bird left, you had Michael come in. When Michael left, you had Kobe. Then Kobe left and LeBron. I think this week one was extremely important for the sport of tennis, that it's going to be just fine when Roger and Rafa are no longer playing. I think that's a really important point to make because people are really, we're really worried about that this week, hopefully put a little of that to rest. This sport is going to be just fine. It's going to move on again. I want them playing as long as they possibly can. Don't get me wrong, but for the sport as a whole, I think this week one really showed that the sport's going to be just fine. No, I'm, I'm in accord, completely in accord. And I, I hope, my hope is, David, that there were a lot of sports fans. I think of myself watching the golf majors. I'm not really a golf. 
I don't follow it avidly at all. But when the majors are on, I tune in. And I'm watching a lot of different golfers and, I, and I'm seeing how, how the, the greatness of so many of them uh, in, in these majors. He, that's, that's what we've seen this past week in New York. And I'm hoping that some of the general sports fans saw the saw Pusevich and Seppi, saw Cressy, saw some of these players that they'd never known before and said, my God, these guys are, they, they are remarkable players. They are great players in their own right. How did they, you know, why are they not ranked higher? I, and, and, and it was a great spectacle. And I, I hope there were a lot of people tuning in and watching that to, who, 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 because they were, they were captured by the fact that the U.S. Open is on and realized, my God, we don't always have to have Novak Djokovic, Rafa Nadal, Roger Federer, and the top, the, 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 the superstars to carry the sport every time out. We can enjoy great competitive matches like that and, and really be enticed by it. And that was, that was clearly the case. I echo your thoughts hundred percent on that. Uh, I, if you don't mind, I think we can kind of, we've touched a little bit about it, but um, week one is done. We're still digesting everything that's happened again. We're not going to hit on everything, but to look forward to week two, um, I guess we'll start with, with Novak. We mentioned he plays Jensen today. I think you and I both expect um, Novak will get by Jensen. He then possibly will play Berrettini, the Wimbledon, a rematch of the Wimbledon final. And then maybe Zverev in the semi and, uh, you know, Medvedev in the final. I, I mean, it, you go match by match, but I think Novak's doing what he needs to be doing right now. He's not overexpending any energy. There's a lot going on, a lot of pressure, uh, extreme amount of pressure on him. And I think he maybe's trying to conserve a little of that. Um, I think he will step it up a level this next week. He's going to have to. Um, you think he's still by far your, your guy to, to, to win the title? Well, I don't need to say by far. That's a, that's a, I don't know whether I necessarily put it in that context, but he still might pick, and I still like his chances. I mean, I would expect that, uh, that Nishikori sharpened him up a bit. He didn't start that match well in the third round and lost the first set, and then, but came back pretty strong. He was pushed hard in the last three, but not found wanting, and I think he lifted his game. And, and I expect that he'll, he'll, he'll hitting a lot of balls against Brooksby and dealing with that crowd is probably a good thing for him to deal with the tension. Then I would expect him to get through that at, at most four sets. I would, I'm leaning toward three, but the worst, <clears throat> worst scenario, I think, would be four. And then uh, Berrettini, he not only beat him in the Wimbledon final, but he beat him in the French quarter. So now he's trying to complete kind of a three-surface sweep against the Italian. Yeah. And I, I would think he would. Listen, he has great respect for Berrettini's serve and his forehand. Everybody does. But obviously, nobody returns like Novak, and he found the way to break him a lot at Wimbledon, broke him in some crucial moments in Paris, too. And I think that'll be the difference once more here would be the return of serve. And then, of course, Sasha. Now, do we? let's talk a little bit about Sasha's section to get to Novak, though, David, because he has to first place Sinner. That's his round of 16. That's not easy. He lost him at the French 2020. And uh, he split a couple of matches with him. And Sinner is, I don't think he serves quite well enough to beat Sasha, but I can see that match going five. I can see it really being hard fought and close. Sasha probably, I, I still like his chances. Then he might, would play Harris or Opelka. And I, I, I think that is a total coin, coin flip between Harris and Opelka. They've had a really close match over the summer. Harris just, just dissected. Dennis Shapovalov in straight sets. Roy Harris has had an unbelievable summer. Yeah. You'd be Rafa. 
I know. And think about it. Everybody thought, oh, my God, at the time, it seemed like kind of a a lot of people looked at it almost like a bad loss for Rafa at the time, but he, they didn't realize a lot of them just how much how much progress Harris has made this year and how self-assured he is and how solid he is. Yeah. So I don't I don't think Sasha would have an easy time with him either. But I still believe we get the Djokovic Zarev semi. And and that will be fascinating to see what Djokovic can do after leading six one, three, two, a set and a break at the Olympics loses eight games in a row from a set and a break and then loses six, one in the third. That just never happens to him. So I think he hits some kind of an emotional physical wall. I think he's, it's only going to make him doubly determined this time, but I could still see them playing a blockbuster of a semifinal David with Djokovic winning in four or perhaps five sets. And then, as you say, it's likely to be Medvedev in the final. And I, I, I think it's what's interesting about Medvedev and I, I see still your pick by the way. He, he is, and he's, he's quiet, under the radar, yeah. just getting through, d- taking care of business. He still is my pick. Okay, well, and listen, he's a lot of people's pick. I, I think the draw opened up beautifully for him. It's hard to see him losing to anybody on his half. I know that if the kid gets through to the semis against him, if he's playing Alcaraz. Well, that's why, uh, hold on, let's, let's stop there for once. I want, I, want to talk, I want to ask your pick on that. Ajir Ali has seen the last two matches, I think, he went five with Batista Goot, right? And four with Tiafo. Yes. So yes. he's played nine sets. Alcaraz has played 10 sets just in their past two matches. Um, are you going with, they're both extremely young, but Ajir Ali has seemed obviously more experienced. Are you going with Felix on that one? I've given Felix slight edge, slight edge, but I, I would not want to have my life savings depend on that by any means. <laughs> because the kid just keeps surprising us. And the way he came back in the last round from two sets to one down to, uh, to win the last two sets, two yeah. in love, when you thought he might be, be re- having the understandable letdown is, is, is proof of it. And yes, you're right, 10 sets, two, two rugged, rugged five setters in a row. Uh, fortunately, the fourth and fifth didn't take too long. But uh, Felix is- played nine sets too. He's played nine yeah. tough sets too. He has, he has, although it, it, it come, the, at least this one with Francis was a, a reasonable four sets. I think yeah, I just give Felix a slight edge. He's so well-rounded. He serves so well. You know, I think he can stand up to Alcaraz's pace, David, a little better than Stefanos was able to do. You know, he's a bigger guy in his way, and he's got the two-hander while often uh, Alcaraz was firing away at Stefanos's backhand, one-handed backhand, and able to puncture it a bit at times. Well, I think Felix, maybe he, maybe he can deal with the pace a little better, and he also can uh, take control himself at times and get in a lot. Yeah. He's, he's, no, he, he, he's a, he, he knows how to attack, and he's got that great serve. I, I think I think he'll squeeze it out in four tight sets. I'm with you. I'm picking Felix yeah. and I'm, I, I cannot wait. I think that match is going to be fascinating to watch. I hope both of them play at near the top of their levels. Cause I think it's going to be unbelievable to watch, but I, I think Felix gets through in, in that match too. But again, it's going to be so great to watch. Go over at, to the, David, at least just a quick thing. At least I think once we get that match settled and Medvedev, we got to figure he's winning his quarter for sure. Then at least it's a test in the semi. So far, I think he's known every time he's gone out on the court that, that, that barring something crazy, uh, yeah. bizarre, yeah, and an injury or just some freakish performance from his opponent that he feels he's going to win that match. And that included his last one with Dan Evans, which he set the tempo beautifully throughout and, and won it comfortably and straight. So, But that semi would at least be, if it's Alcaraz, he's dealing with the crowd 
with the crowd, although Medvedev is pretty good at that by now after what he went through two years ago <laughs> at the Open. So I think he, he, in some ways he would be, he'd look at it with sort of amusement and, and deal with it accordingly. And then if it's Felix, uh, Felix, you know, if he has a very good serving day and he's, and he's get, he would have to come in a lot, I think, against Medvedev and exploit the fact that Daniel's so far behind the baseline returning. There's an outside shot, but I do expect to see, I do think either way that Medvedev makes the final and we have a repeat of the Australian Open final, Djokovic versus Medvedev. And yeah. I think that would be a fitting, a fitting way. We started the Grand Slam season that way. Now we'd be ending it with the same matchup. Right. And the question Sounds is, good do we, to me. I think the New York crowd would enjoy that as well. So, David, it, the question would be, do we get the same outcome, though? Because, I mean, I and you've made your case for Medvedev, and I get it. And, and one of these days, he is going to win a major. And maybe it's now. Uh, but in turn, Djokovic is, is, is driven by this historical quest, and he wants it so badly. And I also think Novak, you know, obviously we know what a great big match player he is. And I also think he... A lot of people were doubting him against Daniel in Australia. And Daniel had looked very good coming into the finals. He'd beaten Sitsipas easily in the semis. And he, he was really rolling through that tournament for the most part. And, I think and, if Djokovic uh, makes the final, I think he wins. I think if Djokovic is going to lose, he's got to lose before the final. And, and Zverev, if he's healthy, runs through, you know, maybe, maybe tips him in the semi. I don't know. But if Novak gets to the final, yeah, I, I agree. Novak wins it. All right. So what you're saying is. Yeah, Medvedev wins the tournament as long as Djokovic doesn't make the final. But if Novak makes the, you're going with Novak. I think Novak complete. If Novak gets yeah. to the final, he takes it. I, I yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm with you. I think it. I think it'd be closer than Australia. Probably yes. tight, tight four sets, maybe even five. But he wins. Yeah. Um. On the the women's match, there were two today that I wanted to. We talked about Shelby and, and Raducanu, which I'm very excited to see. The other match today that's really interesting to me is Sakari versus Andrescu. And Andrescu, um, I don't think has played. I mean, she's undefeated at the Open. She played it once. She won it. And she's now, what, 3-0 this year. So she's 9-0 at the Open. In her second-round match, she played Lauren Davis. And I, I'm, I'm a little biased just because Midwestern roots. Lauren is really small, but she has a huge heart how she plays. And if you look at the score, it was 6-4, 6-4. But if you watch that match, Lauren Davis was up a break two different times in the first set. And she was up a break in the second set and had other opportunities throughout that second set. Promise she doesn't have weapons to really beat girls who are bigger and stronger than her. Um, I say that because I don't think Bianca is playing at the level where we have all seen Bianca play at. And I'm interested in that match today against Sakari. I think Sakari could beat her tonight. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, you can, it's strong case either way. I'm going to go with Bianca in three sets myself, but wouldn't be a bit surprised if Sakari beat her. Uh, I do think she played better, David. I, I saw the Lauren Davis match too, and I hear, I hear you on that. It, with, there were chances. But I do believe, you know, the last round, uh, Bianca won uh, one and two. Yeah. And so I feel like she's actually improved with each round, because let's face it, seven, five, and the third in the first round, she was pushed to the brink, and she got sick during the match. Didn't get sick, but had to take pills for a stomach ailment. And so I think she's progressing nicely and starting to peak, but she'll need to against someone as good as Sakari. I, 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 I'm really looking forward to that match. I am too. So, so let me ask you this. I mean, we were 0 for 3. Tracy Austin, Steve Flink, David Bielinson, 0 for 3 on our female pick. We all picked Ash Barty. Um, uh, pick a winner. Pick a winner. 
Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the pick that many people are making right now, but I do it with great trepidation, you might say. Sabalenka, because the problem with Sabalenka is that she's always capable of beating herself. She's a big hitter, and she, she's a very emotional player. And and I'm not saying she's not a steely competitor in her own in her own right. But there are days when she misfires. There are days when, you know, the, the, the self-destruction is there. So I if I were, you know, sitting in her player box, I'd be I'd be nervous for all these matches. But I do think there's a reason why she's seated second. And I think she has a, a, a real opportunity here to win this tournament. On the other hand, uh, there, there's still four or five others that could do it. I'll pick a wild card. I went with the favorite and I was wrong. So I'll pick a wild card. I'm going to go with Maria Sakari. I like her game and we'll see. She at the French open. She, I mean, she had opportunities to win that semifinal match. How many times that was a fantastic match. Oh, it was, it was, it was, um, Listen, I'm going hey. with her, but I, I will say this. Uh, I mean, I don't know how week two is going to top week one because week one was extraordinary. Um, but you got Novak going for something that, what was it, Rod Laver, 1969? Was that the last that's year? Right, that's right. Um, the pressure is going to keep building and building with Novak. Um, you have some incredible matches today. I, I, I kept saying, I gave like little one-minute snippets each morning of a recap of the previous day, and it, it sounded like a broken record because each morning I started with like, well, that was absolutely remarkable. I mean, each day topped to the previous day, and you thought that was impossible. So, Week two, maybe even better. I, I, I'm not going to doubt myself. The, the, the past six days, uh, what, what do we got? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The past seven days have been extraordinary. So who am I to say anything differently? Quick final comment on Fernandez, David, I, before we leave the women. But, I mean, I think she's, she's going to beat Svitolina. I think Svitolina is a great match player and a wily veteran. But I think she's going to have real issues dealing with uh, Fernandez is great serving the wide slice and trying to contain her off the forehand side. And I, I, I think they'll, they'll, it'll be tight and probably three might well be three again, but I think Fernandez could win that. And I'd like to see that because I would love to see her. I'd, I'd love to see a Sabalenka Fernandez semifinal and to know that, you know, I mean, that, that would be really would test the metal of Sabalenka to try to deal with it with this kid. So I, I don't, I don't think that, that uh, Fernandez's heroics are, are over yet. Well, the next time we're going to record this, Steve, uh, our question, uh, everyone's question will be answered. Will we have someone who joined the great Rod Laver or will have someone stepped in his way uh, and stopped, I guess, history in its tracks? The big three would, if that happens, the big three would still be tied 20, 20 and 20. Um, all I say to tennis fans out there this past week has been an absolute treat. I hope it continues um, through the rest of the tournament. It's been remarkable and I can't wait to do this with you again uh, after the final Sunday. Looking forward to it, David. This was, the, this was a very enjoyable discussion. We had an awful lot to chew on today. Thanks so much. Steve. Can't wait to do it next week.